Genre. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Return of the King, one strangulation at a time. I'm Norman Mitchell. And how? I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. Okay, so every time we um, start it, I I always expect you to say the two towers. (laughs) We're past that. I know. Now it's The Return of the King. What minute Today we're are we talking, talking about minute about? four, which starts with Deagle turning around to look at Smeagol and he says, why? And ends with Deagle being strangled as Smeagol stares off into the middle distance. Uh, He's certainly not looking at him. Yeah, he kind of is. Yeah, he kind of is. He hasn't started his blank thousand yard stare yet, just yet. Uh, okay, so there's, um... There's a lot of strangling. Yeah. And scrangling. <laughs> So, I've been wanting to talk about this for a while, and I've been saving it for um, Strangle Minute. You know how in Hobbit uh, culture, mm. um, when you have a birthday, yeah, you you the the birthday person is the one who gives out gifts. Yeah. Do you think that this is the reason is the why? Cause? Yes. Yeah, maybe. It could be. Like, like, forgive me with your Hobbit birthday theories. Because I think, like, if... Well, there's, there's there's two possibilities here, right? So, like, either this thing happened and it started a tradition in this Hobbit-adjacent culture of giving away gifts on your birthday. As, like, good luck. As, like, good luck so that this doesn't happen to you. Or... So, like, bad, like... Yeah, because, like... Receiving a birthday gift is seen as bad luck, right? Or it was always a tradition among Hobbit and Hobbit-like cultures to give away gifts on their birthday. And him asking for the ring as a present was a sure sign of his corruption and selfishness and greed brought on by the ring. Oh, that's true. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about it that way. That's just my literary analysis hat. Yeah. Mine's on vacation. Mine is floating on the river. Like Deagles. Just chilling. Yeah. (laughs) So this fight was directed by Andy. That's horrifying. (laughs) Like, okay. Like, choreographed or directed? He directed this scene. Okay. He directed the shoreline fight. This is also filmed on the same shoreline they filmed the uh, swan boat scenes for Lorien. Like the gift giving and stuff. This is filmed in the same place. So that means that he himself is directing. Like, he decided that he's going to do this, like, horribly brutal aloof and murderous expression on his face this is a brutal little fight yes it's very scrappy um there's fingers and eyes and there is a single moment in this fight where the there is a relatively close shot right in the center of the frame of andy circus's flexed forearm and it looks wiry and dangerous He looks like a very strong man. He does rock climbing, right? I believe so. Yeah. Also, he crawls around on the ground like a madman all day. Yeah, your arms would be wiry and dangerous. 
Just he should like, put that on his Tinder profile. Looks like a handful of steel cord underneath his hey, skin. Hey, ladies and gents, I'm wiry and dangerous. <laughs> That's a good description of Gollum. <laughs> wiry and dangerous. Yeah. I'm not I'm just if you are watching at home and have the movie in front of you. Just pause in this moment where Admire you can see. His forearms. Just just pause at the moment where you can see Smeagol's forearm behind Deagle's back, right in the middle of the frame, and tell me that that doesn't look like the forearm of, of a murderer, of a murderer, <laughs> of someone tense with the thoughts of murder. Spoiler: uh, It is the arm of a murderer. Yeah, I don't know. That arm's pretty beefy. I don't know what you're talking about. Just, wiry, because you can see. Separate flexed muscles very distinctly uh, yeah. in his arm. Yeah. Legit. As a, I, as I a like strong how, man. I like how the, the fight starts out playful and then it gets dirty real fast. Like Yeah, Deagle reaches for his eyes and, and Smeagol bites, bites his him, arm. And then they just tackle like this this shot around um forty seconds into the minute, uh, where the ring is just out of reach. The um the scale is ridiculous, or at least at least it looks that way to me. Like the the ring is like like bangle size, like bracelet size. Mm. Well, it has like a default size when it's not being handled or like in the sway of someone, and that is the size big enough to fit on Sauron's finger. So it would be bracelet size. So it would be that's, rather large. That's ridiculous. When he grabs it out of the river, it doesn't shrink. It's like that size. Or it's growing with the power it's exerting over them. I guess. That's horrifying. It's just like pulsing yeah, with, with murderous energy. Yeah. It's full of murderous intent. Huh. You can but doesn't feel it, um, his killing intent. Doesn't the scale of that shot look... Uh, it does. It's like, it's like the giant fish. There's like... It's a little out of whack, yeah. Yeah. Because it's in the foreground and it looks enormous. Yeah. But it needs to because it's like the center of the shot when you see it. So, like, it needs to look bigger than it probably really is and all yeah. this other stuff. Cinematography. No. Cameras, how do they work? <laughs> <laughs> the magic of cinema. But, yeah, um, this escalates <laughs> This escalates very quickly. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. Who's going to win? I mean, we, Who, we know. Who's going to? We know. I mean, we already know as moviegoers if you've refreshed yourself and watched so, the other two. do you think that... Because we talked a little bit about this opening scene being, like, ending up the opening scene of this movie. Yeah. But originally this was going to be a flashback in the middle of Two Towers. Right. Where else does this make sense? I'm Okay. So narratively, it does kind of make sense to me as a flashback for when Frodo names Gollum Smeagol again. Because this would have been, like, the last, t- the last day... Of any positive interaction with him using his real name. Mm. So this would be the last time he can think of where he was called Smeagol not out of fear. Or not hurt or have insults hurled at him or anything like that. So it makes sense to me that this would be like the first thing he would think of. Would at least be like this fishing day itself. Okay. So I think that's fine. I think it, it makes enough sense there. But flashbacks are always kind of kind of dangerous to use in a story. Right, because it slows everything down. Right, and unless... That's why the best use of flashbacks are generally in the beginnings of stories, where you see something that takes place before the story you're about to read, and, like, will make more sense in the context of the story you're about to read when you get to a certain point. Well, 
Okay, so does so does this have the same impact, I guess, anywhere else aside from the beginning of this third movie? I actually think that this could have also worked as the opener for the first movie in the trilogy. Really? Yeah. Instead of the, um, you know, seven for the dwarf lords. Yeah, I, I think that that could have been... All of the exposition from the prologue is all stuff we hear again told in dialogue pretty much across the rest of the first movie. Mm. I think that this could have worked as an opener for the first movie, but it also would have been more of a thing for, like, the the more invested Tolkien fan rather than the casual moviegoer who doesn't know anything about these stories. Right. But I think it still could have had a lot of impact if you open your first movie with two people on a boat, one kills the other over the ring, and then the next part of your story is Bilbo giving this same ring you just saw someone kill somebody over to his nephew. I just think... I think that that has a certain amount of narrative weight to it. Yeah. Because it more directly shows the threat of the ring itself rather than the prologue just talking about the ring. That's fair. I think the... um, I don't know. It's very risky to start your first movie, though, with two characters that we literally never see again. At least like this. You know? And the... um, the Do they use... They use the name Smeagol in the first movie, don't they? Yeah, because Gandalf tells Frodo. Right. Smeagol, he was called. Yeah. So, like, that's still within the first movie if this was the opening scene of of the first movie. But the thing about that is um, they don't say his name is Smeagol. Like, he just says Deagle. Mm. Like, Deagle doesn't say Smeagol as far as I'm aware. Yeah, no. Right? It would be in minute two, and he gets swept away by a fish. You just have to make sure he calls him Smeagol somewhere in the scene. Yeah. That's not difficult. I guess... No, he does. He says Smeagol when he gets pulled off the boat. Oh, oh. Does he? I think so. When he's excited about the fish he's caught and he wants help. Uh, yeah, I guess I was just like, I hate fishing. Um, <laughs> well, I guess it happens so fast that um, if you're not paying attention, clearly I'm not paying attention. Um, you just have to make it clear, like what these two, that at least that that's his name. So then when it comes up later in the movie, you, there would be like a little light bulb in your audience's head. Yeah, I think that it has the most impact here, though. Like, the, the most emotional impact because we have spent a whole movie getting to know Gollum slash Smeagol. Mm. Um, as, like, we know what he became. Right, and we saw there the, we watched an entire movie, most of which is about him shedding the Gollum persona only to have it thrust back upon him when he becomes desperate again. Right. So I think, like, we know, we know, we know Gollum. Mm. And then seeing him whole and not look like a scraggly alien that just emerged from a cave. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the impact, um, I think, works the best for it being in in this movie as opposed to any earlier, Mm. I guess is what I'm saying. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I think it, it depends on, like, what you want out of the scene, I think. Because I think a scene like this better illustrates the threat of the ring than the prologue that we had. Well, because we just spent an entire movie feeling bad for Gollum. And then for to open this with, like, oh, I'm just going to murder my cousin. Yeah. This is, this is, in the whole trilogy, 
the scene that is the best example of the the threat the ring poses to a person. Mm. The Boromir scene is close. As opposed to this esoteric, like... Right, as opposed the to... The weight an, of the ring. Right, as opposed to an existential threat. It's like a very real threat. Very visceral. Yeah. Yeah. And no other scene establishes it in quite this way. Right. I think it would be interesting to... If you f- could find someone that hadn't seen these movies, but had some familiarity with the books... Which is probably really hard. Yeah. And show them this scene first, and then watch Fellowship of the Ring without the prologue. Hmm. Like an experiment? Yeah. Because I wonder if it would make you more tense about the Bilbo giving up the ring scene. Oh, yeah. Like, when he's about to throw hands? With Gandalf? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it would make you more tense about that scene as an audience member. After having seen someone literally murder someone else over the ring. Yeah. Well, that would add to the tension of when Boromir picks it up and yeah. Aragorn. See, that's what I'm saying about like if this scene was at the front of the movie. Yeah, I guess. Well, it, I guess it depends on what you want this right. scene to do. Like, yeah. Like, if do you want this scene is about establishing how completely the ring destroyed who Gollum was. And if you were to put it at the front of the trilogy, it would be a scene about the threat of the ring first. And Gollum second. And Gollum second. Right. And like the re- like the reveal later in the movie and the understanding that that, that was Gollum. Right. Would be like pieces being connected along the way of the narrative. Because as it stands, this, this scene, especially next week, um, where we see his transformation. Yeah. It's about Gollum first. And the ring second. But yeah, Yeah. I think like if you switched it, then that would be like, oh, this ring is like, oh, look pretty shiny, but it's like a very evil artifact. Yeah, I think it it would establish the threat of the ring, like the real threat of the ring so much earlier in your story, in the cinematic version of the story. Because then instead of like hundreds of thousands of people. Of CGI elements. Yeah, like... Like the big war stuff, you have it and, uh, be very. The ring personal. slipped off Isildur's finger and he got shot. Yeah, doesn't have the same impact as like someone choking another person to death for the while ring. they stare at him in the face. God, his eyes are so scary. But yeah, I don't, I, I don't have anything else for like today. We're gonna finish the strangling tomorrow. The strangling. Strangling. <laughs> and we'll be we'll be back we'll be back for that. Uh, as for as for today, if you want to continue the discussion about <laughs> right, nope, I'm out. Minute four, bye. <laughs> what do you, what do you think about the impact of this scene and where else it could go in the trilogy? You yeah. can let us know on our Facebook listener group, the Fellowship your, um, of the Mike. Your Hobbit um, birthday theories, yeah, or your Hobbit birthday theories, like thoughts on this scene in general and stuff we kind of talked about uh, today. We were way more on topic today than yesterday. I'm proud of us. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, it's like when there's stuff happening on the screen we have stuff to talk about yeah uh also you should go check us out on apple podcasts and leave us a review there a five star one if you would it really would help us out keep us visible especially now that we're back from hiatus yes our nine month hiatus our nine month hiatus and as always hope you have a great day we'll be back tomorrow bye
genre.